So tonight we're continuing our series on how to find your life purpose. And I'm going to start out with a story about Eric Little. Eric Little was an Olympian in the 1924 Summer Olympics in Paris. He was scheduled to run the 100-meter dash. He was not only scheduled to run it, he was favored to win it. It was his best event. And he heard that it was going to be held on Sunday. And he was a Christian. He says, I want to go to church on Sunday. And so he chose to back out of the event that he was favored to win. And instead, he ran in the 400-meter event, an event he wasn't favored to win. And he ended up winning. And he won a gold medal for Scotland. Um, he actually left the Olympics, and he didn't continue competing. And he became a missionary in China where he put, uh, he put to work his skills as an Olympian and the fame he had got from that to reach people in a very poverty-stricken, war-torn place in China. And ultimately, he ended up giving his life in China when the Japanese invaded in World War II. Um, you can see his story, which was depicted in the famous movie Chariots of Fire. He has this great quote, though, that I thought fits so well in with what we're talking about tonight. And here's his quote. I think we have it up here on the screen for you. He said, I believe God made me for a purpose, but he also made me fast. And I feel God's pleasure when I run. And last week we talked about how God has put a deep burden deep inside of our heart. A burden for something in the world that needs fixed. But God has also given us strengths. He's also given us abilities and talents. He's done things to make us unique. He's uniquely equipped us. And I believe that our strengths help reveal our purpose. The God-given reason that we exist. Do you realize you're one of a kind? There's never ever been someone exactly like you, and there never ever will be someone exactly like you with your unique set of experiences and skills and abilities and talents. You're special. You're unique. You're one of a kind. Now, that's not a testimony to you. You didn't create yourself, right? That's a testimony to God, your creator, who created you for a purpose. You know, God has uniquely designed you to be part of his cosmic narrative. You're irreplaceable in the story of God that he's writing throughout the universe. You know, if I invited you to come and help me with a project and I said, I'm going to provide all the tools that you need. Well, when you showed up and I handed you a shovel, you would expect that you're going to dig something, right? This week, uh, last weekend, we helped... Um, put in some beds for the Ada Much Food Pantry. And this week they said they needed more topsoil. And so Austin volunteered and he came out there and uh, he showed up and I had a shovel for him. And he knew what that meant. He was going to shovel topsoil. He was going to put it down. He did a great job. He worked hard. Um, but if he had shown up and I had handed him a hammer, he would probably think something about this project is going to have me hit nails. Or if he had shown up and I handed him a stapler, he would assume something about this project means I'm going to combine paper. Or if I had handed him duct tape, he'd be like, it could literally be anything because you can do anything with duct tape, right? But what I'm trying to get to is God has given you unique strengths and that reveals something about the task that he has for you. Just like if you showed up to help me with a project and I gave you the tools you needed, the strengths you have, the unique strengths that God has given you tells you something about the purpose that he has for you in the world. There's this uh, interesting conversation that happens in Luke 25 and also in Matthew 22. 
And um, it's two different encounters. In one encounter, a religious leader asks Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? In another, they test Jesus and they say, what's essentially, like, what should I be doing for God? How should I be spending my life? In both cases, the answer ends up being the same. It's a quote from Deuteronomy 6. And it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. And it says, and love your neighbor as yourself. And I think this is interesting here because this passage reveals something about the places where God gives us strength. God gives us strength in different areas. A lot of times when I say you have unique strengths, people think, well, I have talents, right? And we don't think anything beyond that. But I really think these four areas reveal the different places we have strength. Um, you know, when it says love the Lord your God with all your heart, it's talking about emotional strength. So I think some people have emotional strength. They, they just don't worry as much as other people. They're, they're steadfast. They're more patient. They, they have emotional strength in places where we don't. And then it says love the Lord your God with all your soul. And some people have spiritual strength. I've met some people who love to pray. And I'm like, how do I get that? You know, it's hard to pray. That takes a lot of work and effort. I have to discipline myself. Or there's some people who just love to read the Bible. And while there's a desire in my heart to know more about God and to know him, I have to discipline myself to do that. So I think some people just have spiritual strength in place. And then it says, love the Lord your God with all your strength. This is the idea of a physical strength. These are what we would think of as our talents or our athletic abilities, the things that come naturally to our physical bodies. And then love the Lord your, your God with all your mind. Some people have mental strengths, right? They're just intelligent people. Or some people are really good at organizing things. Justin and Chelsea are traveling this weekend. But I tell you, they'll walk into any environment and they're like, here's how we could do that better. That's a gift. That's a skill. That's a strength. A strength that I don't have, but I'm grateful that people do have. Uh, some people are just good at planning or they're really good with math or they're really good with words. But everyone I have ever met has a strength. You may just have one. Most people I've met have several. But your strengths, you probably have your strengths in one or two or maybe several of these areas. Maybe you have an emotional strength or a spiritual strength or a physical talent or ability or strength or a mental intelligence strength. But all of us have a strength that God has given us. And it's interesting that in these passages, <clears throat> what Jesus says is we should use these strengths to love God and love people. Which reminds us of what we talked about last week, right? The center of your purpose isn't you. The center of your God-given purpose is God's glory and other people's good. We usually think, well, it's my purpose, so I'm at the center of it, right? No, at the center of your purpose is God's glory and other people's good. And that's exactly what he affirms here in these passages. And I love that he uses this word. He says, love the Lord your God with all your strengths and love your neighbor as yourself. He essentially says... To the, uh, he essentially defines strength in action as love. It's love when you put your strengths in action for the good of someone else. When you use your strengths to glorify God. When you use your strengths to better other people. Usually we use our strengths to feel better about ourselves. Or to draw attention to ourselves. Or to make things better for us. But love is when we turn our strengths. We, we combine our strengths to help other people and to glorify God. And you know, strengths can be a double-edged sword. Have you, have you ever seen a knife? When I was a boy, I was growing up in Tennessee. This is a very Tennessee thing to do. I collected knives. You know, you're growing up in Tennessee, you're a boy, you're going to collect knives. 
And so I started a knife collection, and I had knives that had one blade, right? There was a dull side and a sharp side, and I'd use those, and I'd whittle sticks, and I'd cut down things, and I was very reckless with my knives. And uh, some knives I had, though, were double-bladed. They were sharp on both sides. Those were really good for cutting things, but they were also really good for getting cut by. And I still have a couple scars on my hands. They're white lines, even though they've healed years and years ago, where I cut myself using double-bladed knives because they're a lot more dangerous. So a strength is like a double-bladed knife. You can do a lot more with it, but you also have a better chance of misusing it or building your identity in your strength and actually developing some unhealthy habits. See, if you have a lot of strengths, you have a tendency to be self-reliant rather than God-reliant. If you don't have a lot of strengths, you recognize how much you need God. And I've often wondered this. I'm like, well, you know what? It'd be really awesome, God, if you had given me some of these other strengths. Like maybe I'll look around at other pastors or other church planters and I'll think, I wish I had their strengths. Well, if I had a whole bunch of strengths, my tendency would be to rely on myself rather than to rely on God. So God's given you the right amount of strengths. And we need to remember that a strength can make us self-reliant rather than reliant on God. And the Bible shares this story. It's kind of a scary story, but this story about remembering where our strengths come from and using them correctly. It's found in Acts chapter 12, where we're going to be tonight. In Acts chapter 12, uh, starting in verse 20, it says, Herod had been very angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon, and together they presented themselves before him after winning over Blastus, who was in charge of the king's bedchamber, and they asked for peace because their country was supplied with food from the king's country. Okay, and then in verse 21 is really where we pick up. But just a little bit of background. Herod was a territorial leader appointed by the Roman Empire over this region of Palestine. And uh, he had been really angry with these two regions that he ruled over. And that's bad because he actually provided government assistance to feed their people. And so they were going to go without food unless they made peace. And so they kind of did some bribes with officials in the palace who took care of his bedchambers and had his ear. And so they got this audience with him. And then in verse 21, it says, On an appointed day, dressed in royal robes and seated on the throne, Herod delivered a speech to them. And the assembled people began to shout, It's the voice of a god and not a man. It's the voice of a god. This is the most beautiful speech we've ever heard. This is so wonderful. You know, they're like, My ears are just so blessed to hear this man speak. And then it says in verse 23, at once an angel of the Lord struck him because he did not give the glory to God and he was eaten by worms and died. That's pretty intense. And then verse 24 says, but the word of God flourished and multiplied. The first comment on this, people tell me all the time they're bored by the Bible. What Bible are they reading? This is like action packed, you know? There's some crazy stories in here. It reminds me a little bit of when I sit around with my nephews. I have three nephews, Ryan, uh, Reese, and Rhett, and they are intense. And sometimes I'll play this game with them because I like to tell stories, and I'll start out a story, and then I'll stop and have them fill in the next line about what happens next. So I'll start out something like this. There was once a rabbit, and his name was Peter, and he was hopping through a magical forest, and the forest was enchanted by fairies, and he was going on an adventure, and then, and, you know, usually Brett, he's the youngest, he'll jump up and he'll go, and he stepped on a landmine and the rabbit exploded! And I'm like, what? No! 
no, that's not. And he's like, yep. And then a T-Rex came out with machine gun arms and started shooting up the force. And then there was a fire dragon. And, you know, they just go crazy with it. It reminds me a little bit about that. You know, the story's going along so simply. There's a political dispute. This guy gives a speech. It's the best speech they've ever heard. All of a sudden, angel strikes him. He gets worms on the inside of his body and dies. You know, it, it seems like something the nephews would say. But it's certainly not boring. But I want to pull out a couple things here. You'll notice, first of all, in verse 21, it says that Herod dressed in royal robes and seated himself on a throne. Herod was doing everything he could to draw attention to himself and get praise for himself. He didn't position himself to glorify God or to help other people. He positioned himself to get praise from other people and to better himself. And you notice what happened next is he began to use his God-given ability to be a great orator, to be a great speaker, and to stand up and give this great speech. And he refused to give glory to God. And because of that, the result was he was inwardly destroyed. Now, you may not be overcome with internal worms and die because you refuse to give praise to God. You refuse to use your strength for the good of other people and the glory of God. But I will tell you this. If you use your strength to draw attention to yourself rather than to help other people or to glorify God, it will tear you up from the inside out. But notice what happens ultimately is he died and he was forgotten. Herod was actually a title, not a name, and there's many Herods mentioned in Scripture because it's a title like king. This is a Herod, just yet another Herod who dies and passes on. But notice what happens in verse 24. But the word of God flourished and multiplied. Your strength, your talent, your special unique abilities, no matter how amazing it is, it's going to end with you when you die unless you invest it in something bigger than yourself, something eternal. And that's what he had an opportunity to do. He could have used his strength to glorify God and to better other people. Because after his death, the word of God continued to flourish and multiply. If we use our strength to glorify God, to be about what he's doing, about his word flourishing and spreading, our strength can last long after us. But if we use our strengths to glorify ourselves or for our own good rather than the good of other people, what ultimately happens is you may have a little bit of time in a spotlight, but you'll ultimately disappear and be forgotten when you die. I love this quote by Mark Batterson. He says, pride is a failure to praise. And he says, the best defense against pride is praise. When we take our strengths and we pour them out for the glory of God and the good of other people, it is using our strengths correctly. It's using our strengths in a way that praises God and a way that protects our heart against pride. When we use our strengths not to draw attention to ourselves, but to draw attention to God and to help other people, that's when we're using our strengths correctly. When we use our strength to draw attention to ourselves and to better ourselves rather than to use it for other people, we become an idol, right? An idol is something that robs glory from God, or at worst, we become a devil, where we're actively fighting against the glory of God because we're trying to get it. And just like Herod, when he tried to hold on to praise that belonged to God, was eaten up from the inside out, we're not designed to receive praise that's meant for God. That's not what we're designed for, and we can't handle it, and it will destroy us. In fact, I meet a lot of people who ultimately are slaves to the praise of people. 
If they haven't got praise today, they don't know what to do. My generation's real bad about this. Like, if somebody isn't constantly complimenting us, we're like, well, I'm all insecure. I don't know what to do. No one praised me today. And you become a slave to the praise of people. But when you use your strengths to glorify God and to better other people, you don't care if you're free. I mean, if you're praised. It's actually the most freeing, most satisfying way to live is to use your strengths for God's glory and other people's good because that way you're not a slave to people's praise. And I talked about how sometimes if you have too many strengths, you can suffer with identity issues, right? You can be self-reliant rather than God-reliant. Because a lot of times, if you have a lot of strengths, you begin to build your identity in your strengths rather than in your strengths giver. And you see all the time when somebody was really great at something and maybe physically they aren't able to do that anymore or maybe mentally they're not able to do what they used to do or maybe because of an accident or a situation they no longer can do what they used to do and all of a sudden they have this identity crisis because they built their identity around their strengths and how that made them feel instead of building their identity around the strength giver who gave them the strengths. And doesn't leave them just when, even when the strength does. We see that in the classic story of Samson, right? He built his identity all around this fact that he was strong. And once he lost his strength, he's like, I don't even know why I'm alive. I don't even know what I exist for. And God had to remind him, you exist for me. It's always been about me. It hasn't been about your strength and your fame. It's about me and the mission I have for you. And sometimes God ultimately lets us fail. He lets us fail the easy test. He lets us miss the easy assignment, lose the easy account, make the easy mistake because it reminds us that the strength isn't ours. It's his strength on loan to us for his glory and other people's good. And worship is what we do when we say, this isn't my strength. It doesn't belong to me. It's on loan to me and it belongs to you. And it's for use, for your glory and for other people's good. So you ask, Alex, okay, so our strengths tell us something about what God wants us to do. And yes, strengths can be used wrongly, but they're meant to be used correctly for God's glory and other people's good. So how do we find out what our strengths are? How do we know how God has uniquely curated our abilities and our experiences to use us in certain ways? Well, one of the things we have to be careful about is... There's some great tests out there, right, where you fill in little questions and answers and it helps you find your strengths, right? The internet loves that, you know, uh, you take any type of personality test, they love those things. But I was reading an interesting article in, psych, uh, in a psychological magazine this week and it talked about how some of the most selfish people in the world, they gave them a test on generosity and they scored very high on paper on being generous. Even though everybody around them and their family and their friends in their workplaces said they weren't generous. And uh, the, the psychological paper was saying what we often convey on paper in a strength test is what we'd like to be seen as rather than what we actually are. And so sometimes we'll take a strength test and we're like, I really want to be high in generosity. And you may not even consciously do that, but you put yourself down like that. Or you think, I'm really good at this, when really you're not, but you just always thought you were. And so you consciously score high on this paper because it's you evaluating yourself. And let me tell you something, you can never be completely objective with yourself. Right? You, there's always emotions tied up with it. There's different ways that you see what you've experienced and gone through. And our tendency is to be a little kinder to ourselves than we actually deserve or should be. 
In fact, we have a tendency to think we're a lot better off than what we actually are. And that's part of what the Bible describes as our sin nature, this self-destructive tendency inside of all of us to be selfish and to think we're a little bit better off than what we are and that we don't need Jesus as much as we do and that we really have a lot more of our lives together than we actually do. That's the whole reason Jesus Christ had to come into the world, right? Because despite all our strengths and all of our abilities, we could never be good enough to reach God on our own. And so he came to earth, he died in our place, for our sins so that everyone who believes on him can be saved. But the reality of sin is that in our everyday lives, we tend to think of ourselves as being a little bit better than we actually are. We, we think we have a little bit more of our life together, and sometimes that means we think we're a little bit better than we actually are in some areas. Um, and we've probably all known this, maybe in the workplace, someone who thinks they're really good at something, and so every time in a meeting, they're like, I'll do that, I'm really good at that. And you're like, no, you're horrible at that. I remember uh, I was working in Tennessee at an insurance company, and we had this one lady who always volunteered uh, anytime we were reworking a template or a letter because she was like, I'm really good at saying what needs to be said. And she wasn't. Like, she, it would be these really long, you know, it would go from a one paragraph thing into like a four page letter. And I'm like, you're not making this more succinct, you're making this worse. But she thought she was really good at it. She thought she had a lot of strength in that area. And so we have to be careful. Sometimes what you think you're strong at, you're not actually strong at. And sometimes what you think you're weak at, you actually have an unexplored strength. And so how do we find out our strengths? One, I think you should ask people. But you shouldn't ask just anybody. You should ask some people who have known you and known you in different situations, who have some time with you, and people that you can ask who you know will be honest with you and won't have an ulterior motive. Have you ever had that where you ask somebody, you're like, what do you think I'm good at? And they're like, I think you're really good at uh, uh, hauling topsoil. Come help me haul topsoil today. And you're like, hmm, I bet they just wanted the help. They didn't really think I was good at that. Um, and so ask people that you can trust, people who have known you for a long time, people who can give you an accurate picture of where you're at and what your strengths are. And finally, review your history. I believe that your history reveals your destiny. If you carefully look at where God's brought you and what he's allowed you to experience, what he's allowed you to do and be a part of, it'll help reveal where your strengths are and places where he's used you in the past and wants to use you in the future. So take some time to review your history. Look back at where God's used you in the past, places where your strengths have stood out, places where people have stood up to you and said, hey, you really stand out here. This is really a God-given gift. This is really a talent that you have. This is a strength that you have. And when you begin to look at where you're strong, you can begin to see where God wants to use you in your life. You know, Eric Little, at the end of his life, he was uh, killed in a Japanese internment camp when they invaded China. He had been working with the poor and uh, doing athletic camps for young Chinese children. And... Um, his, he's reported to have said on his deathbed, speaking about his life, it's all about surrender. And I believe that that's really what our strengths are all about. It's surrendering our strength, not for our good, not for our glory, but surrendering our strengths and saying, how can I use this for God's glory and other people's good? And so I think the questions we need to ask here at the end are, what am I good at? How has God uniquely given me strength? Maybe it's an emotional strength or a physical strength, a mental strength, a spiritual strength. But what am I good at? 
And then the second question you have to ask is, how can I use that to help people and direct attention to God? And I don't think you need to sit around and wonder about, like, I wonder what my purpose is. I've got this strength. Just start using your strength. And what happens is, if you start using your strength to glorify God and to help other people, your purpose usually finds you. You don't have to go looking for it. If you start using your strength to glorify God, to redirect attention to God, and to help other people, your purpose usually finds you. And then the last question I think you need to ask is, okay, I have this strength. How can I cultivate it? How can I get even better at it? How can it open up even more opportunities for me to glorify God and to help other people? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for the way that you've uniquely given us strength. Each of us have different experiences, different natural abilities, different learned abilities, and you've cultivated all these for your glory and for other people's good. Lord, forgive us for the times that we've hoarded our strengths. We've kept them for our own good or our own attention or our own glory. We've used our strength as a way to get attention or applause. And Lord, I pray that you will help us to put to work our strengths this week for your glory, to redirect attention to you and for other people's good. Lord, thank you so much that we get to be in your world and about your work. And I pray all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.